0: back to yes x or no audio hello everybody it is eight o'clock in the morning bit thereafter here on the eastern Seaboard of australia on the 30th of november 2023 and welcome to part three of the mcbride story now we've lined up medusa and her friends so that we can set them loose on the scumbags who deserve their scorn however Let's do a little review of the story and work out where our crack team of Gorgons are going to direct their attention uh, so that, you know, we uh, abide by the sort of, you know, the rules of law in the, in the information space, let's put it that way. So, Mr. David McBride, uh, having achieved a scholarship to go and take a second law degree in Britain at Oxford, I think it was, decides to sign up for the British military and... He received training at Sandhurst as an officer. I think he was trying to qualify for their SAS, uh, and uh, he didn't manage to achieve that. He then went and did some things in Africa, about which I know nothing. Then he ends up back in Australia, and, and there in Australia, he joins the Australian Defence Forces, not as a soldier or member of the SAS, but as a lawyer. He is sent to Afghanistan with the Australia's SAS twice, 2011-2013. Whilst there, what he observes is that, well, first of all, he knows about various war crimes that are going on, but I don't think he's too fussed about that, because he understands that war is a nasty business, to put it mildly. These things tend to happen. doesn't mean they're good, or that we approve of them. But that was the position he was in. His outrage, his frustration, was that, excuse that train, they come and go here, was that, the law was being used for political purposes. This is what annoys him. And in fact, it takes a while for this to come out in the story. You see this term being used in reporting where they talk about over-investigation. What that means, terrible code, what it means is for him at the time that the law is being used to persecute certain members of the SAS and they're being persecuted for political purposes. So he sees that there are nasty things going on, war crimes and so forth, but there's other stuff going on that's not anywhere near as bad, and these people are being gone after for some political purpose, and it really pisses him off. And so he registers this uh, with his superiors, the chain of command thing, and so forth. Now, there is no um, satisfactory response from the chain of command in the Australian Defence Forces, and so in the end... um, For whatever reason, he decides to contact the media. There are aeroplanes as well as trains. Sorry about that. This is a problem I have. I don't have a decent microphone. The room I'm recording in is full of walls. And if I come out here, I get birds, which is nice. But I get metal birds too, which is not so nice. So how the hell are we meant to deal with this? I need a dedicated recording studio. Damn it. I haven't got one. And I haven't got any money either. So how am I going to solve that problem? Whatever. Back to the story of McBride. He goes to the media, uh, he chooses some very good journalists uh, from the ABC, and he gives them this information. And then what happens is sort of how things go a bit. The journalists look at this stuff and they go, all right, all right, we can see there's some evidence in there for, you know, political use of the law, for da da we, we see what you're getting on about here, Mister Mr. McBride, but really... Just leave it with us for a bit. You know, I think we can we can certainly do something with this. And, of course, what they see are war crimes. Much better story, right? That'll really grab the attention of the population, and that's what journalists are meant to do, because then they can go to their superiors and say, look, see? Fucking good reporting, right? Good stuff, right? Everybody pays attention to what we're doing for a while. ABC feeling good. Good work, right? And, of course, they get the, you know, the Walkley Award, which is the big Australian award for journalism, for doing this. So, obviously, their peers are going, absolutely brilliant piece of reporting and whatever. Meanwhile... McBride is no doubt a bit miffed because that wasn't the, the point <laughs> of this really. Um, and meanwhile he's been slapped down um, by the Australian government, as have the reporters. I mean, this is the thing about this, it's just insane. The Australian government thinks that it's a really good idea to go and send the Australian federal police in to raid the, the national broadcaster's offices. They literally go in and they impound fucking like, computers and the whole damn thing. I mean, it's just insane, right? This hasn't been seen like forever. So, the So you know that there's something going on underneath this and it turns out it's not really about the war crimes from McBride's perspective and it's also not really about the war crimes directly either when we get to it. The next significant thing that happens is that the Inspector General of the Australian Defence Force says, oh dear, this is not good. We've got a problem. And so the... Uh, director, the Inspector-General recommends to, I'm not sure if it's the probably the government, actually, yeah, the government says, look, um, we've got a problem, we need to uh, find out what's going on here. And the government says, fair enough, uh, you know, that's a request from the Inspector-General of the Australian Defence Forces, and we'd be politically stupid uh, to ignore that, uh, otherwise we're in really hot water. So they say, right, fine. And they appoint Brereton, Justice Brereton, who is a... Justice of the Supreme Court of New South Wales. And here we're just going to do a little segue into the naming of Australian courts because it's a bit confusing for the American members of the audience. Right. So Australia, six states, two territories. The six states, they have, they were originally like states. They have parliaments and, and judiciary and executive and all the normal things. The, the territories don't have their own parliament, so that's sort of missing. Uh, and they've only really got um, magistrate-level courts. Then uh, within each of the states, we've got the three tiers. So we've got the magistrate courts and then an appeals court and then the uh, the Supreme Court. It's called the Supreme Court for the states, right? And then the federal government, which is the, the Commonwealth, the federation of the six states and the, and the two territories, it has its own courts as well. Uh, don't get too fussed into that. But what it has is the High Court. And the High Court, the Australian High Court, is the Supreme Court of Australia. It's the highest court. The High Court is the highest court. So when a matter is still, you know, of particular interest and so forth, and it's even been decided at the Supreme Court of a state, it can still be appealed to the High Court of Australia. So the Supreme Court of the ACT, which is where the most recent part of the legal proceedings for McBride happened, that's the Supreme Court for the Australian Capital Territory. But that case can still be appealed to the High Court of Australia. And so the High Court of Australia is almost like the Supreme Court of, New- of uh, the U.S. And you can appeal to it all you want, but you have to convince them that it's worthwhile them wait you know, spending their time on looking into the thing. So, you know, it has to be, you know, towards some relevant area of law that needs to be investigated, probably a la-la-la-la-la-la, right? So you don't just get to walk into the High Court of Australia or the Supreme Court of the U.S. and say, we want your time to look at this thing. You have to convince them, right? So Justice Brereton, who's a justice of the Supreme Court of New South Wales, he is appointed to do this uh, investigation In what the hell's going on. And the reason he's appointed is because he is a member of the Australian Reserves, of the Australian Defence Force. So they figure, right, he knows something about the culture, he'll you know, know who to work with and to do this properly. Right? He's a ju- justice, Supreme Court justice, he understands the law, that's all fine. But also, he'll, have, he'll understand the structure of the ADF and how to therefore go about the thing. And so he does. Spends, I think it's four years or something. He spends quite a bit of time going through this, looks at all the stuff, And then he produces his report and all the details of the report are redacted because you can't do that secret information. But the summary is published and it goes, 39 cases of absolutely documented war crimes, without a doubt. And not just the war crimes, that these are institutionalised. The problem is the war crimes, sure, but it's the institutionalisation that's the problem. There is a cultural issue that is the problem. So this he points out, like documents, and says, right, there you go, did my job, here you go. There's your report. So back to McBride. At this point, he's been charged with theft of and transmission of uh, sensitive, meaning classified, government information. And of course, the, you know, there's laws for that. You can't you can't just hand this sensitive information around willy nilly. And um, what the hell is the theft about? Well, you might recall from the U.S. intelligence leaks that we had back in whenever it was, April or something. I can't remember. Um, March, April, that they talked about these things called SCIFs, S-C-I-F. So that means Sensitive Compartmentalised Information Facility. And the fact that Mr McBride had this information outside of one of those means he had stolen it. So that's the theft charge. And then the transmission is giving it to people who are not meant to know. That, of course, is journalists. So this is what he's charged with. So the case that's presented to the Australian public is... The SAS are committing war crime after war crime after war crime in Afghanistan. Here's the guy who told the the journalist about this, the whistleblower, and the government are coming after him for possessing, stealing and, and transmitting secret information. And the Australian population are going, well, what the? This is wrong. And in a sense it is, and we'll get to that, because the other part of the direction of the Gorgons is also understanding who's been fighting the good fight to put out a little bit of praise. So if you're interested in following up on this whole escapade, you know who to thank and you know who to support because they're actually going after the thing that really matters. Some of it, not much can be done about, about, we'll get to that, but some things can. And some people have actually been doing this work and so therefore, you know, these are places where one can go to pursue this thing and and, uh, make life easier for the next McBride that comes along. Anyway... What this really comes down to are legal proceedings, and on two fronts. However, before we get into that, we need to do a little segue into the style of legal system, the type of legal system which exists in Australia versus the one which exists in the US. And on this podcast and in this newsletter, I go after the US all the time and go, oh, look, scumbags, blah, 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 because it's all corrupt and blah, 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 and so forth, and I'm sure you've seen this. However... I'm very interested in pointing out situations where I think the US is doing a better job um, than our stupid Aussies, and this is a good one. So the question is, should the government have been prosecuting McBride for these two, there are five charges, but they amount to stealing and and dissemination of classified information. Should they have been doing this? So the question that, that would be asked naturally in the US is, hang on, you know, that's the government going after this, this a whistleblower. That's wrong, right? Now, that comes out of the US political understanding of how the Department of Justice is a, a part of the administration, it's part of the executive branch, and there is something inherently political about the Department of Justice issuing a case. This is natively understood in the US. Government prosecutions are political, just as... The appointment of justices is political. So this is understood thoroughly in the US and it is resisted. This understanding is almost anathema to the Australian legal system because it is inherited from the British. And so here we get into some of the nasty weeds. The view in Australia amongst the legal community, and I know because I've spoken with some of them about this, is that the Director of Public Prosecutions, who is a member of the bureaucracy and is appointed on merit by the bureaucracy. I think they're approved also by the parliament. But it's a, it's an appointment of merit. So obviously the people who are appointed to this role are skilled lawyers. They understand how to bring cases before a court, and they understand that they shouldn't waste the court's time and so forth. The cases need to be thoroughly prepared and da-da-da-da-da-da. da, 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 da right? they are good at what they do. Okay, good. And then then this is the key point, is that the government has the following cultural understanding it says the independence of the director of public prosecutions is critically important and the government shall go nowhere near telling the director of public prosecutions which cases to prosecute and which not to prosecute the government shall have nothing to do with this because it is a part of the independence of the judiciary this i believe is a false understanding and this is one of the key issues that this case exposes. But that is the case. This is how the Australian judiciary look upon the role of the Director of Public Prosecutions. It's an independent office. It's almost like it doesn't belong in the executive or the government. It's a sort of independent thing, which shall do whatever it thinks is the right thing to do. And I think that's a a terrible error. It's not. It's a part of the executive, and therefore it is subject to political influence. And it should be obvious as we go through this that that is exactly what is happening. So that's the first thing. So the question of whether or not the uh, government should have gone after the director of public prosecution and said, Oi, stop it. This guy is a whistleblower. He's revealed war crimes and you are causing us serious embarrassment and the Australian population don't like what you're doing. It's bald-faced, really uncomfortable nobody wants this to happen apart from the upper members of the um, Australian Defence Forces, possibly. But everybody else is said a horrible thing to do and you're making an embarrassment of it. Stop it. You're embarrassing us, right? But that's not what the government thinks and that's not what the judiciary thinks either. They think, no, 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 the DPP is an independent thing and it thinks it's the right thing to do and so therefore that should what should happen. I say bullshit to that and I say that the US understand this process far better than us Aussies do. So hats off to you. Here we go. Bit of praise. So... Shall we set Medusa and friends on the fact that Australia has a poor cultural understanding of what the DPP is and how it should operate? Hello, aeroplanes. And the answer is, no, that's not going to work, is it? I mean, like the US decided to have a war on terror. I mean, terror is a tactic. You can't have a war on a tactic. It just doesn't work. Same, setting the Gorgons on a cultural understanding is not going to work either. So we're not going to do that. Gorgons, wrong target. We're getting to it. Okay. So the other part of this in a legal framework, and and where support can be offered, this is the positive part of this, is that Australia does not have appropriate whistleblower protection. The laws that exist for whistleblower protection are obviously a complete failure. Obviously. Because what has just happened is that McBride has pleaded guilty to a reduced charge set, so only three charges instead of five, and it's obviously a plea deal set up, he's just pleaded guilty to those in the ACT Supreme Court. And the reason he has pleaded guilty is because there's no other sensible legal choice. Every piece of every will, every legal argument that was tried was smacked down by the court because the court is doing what the law says it should do. This is another thing to understand here. There's no point getting angry about the court here because what's going to happen and, and what should happen in my view, is that the decision made by Justice Mossop in the ACT Supreme Court was da-da-da-da-da-da. da, 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 da. i am not going to hear your ad- attempt at saying that, that there's public interest in you being an officer and so forth. That, that is bullshit. I don't, I don't take it, right? And similarly, you want to try and run these sort of protections that you're putting forth to me. I've looked at the law. That's not what the law says. No, you can't have those protections. It doesn't exist. So here it is. You've pleaded guilty. Great. We'll sentence you in, in a year. Which is the whole plea deal thing. But the case can be appealed, and it should be appealed to the High Court, that being the sort of Supreme Court of Australia, if you know what I mean, you know, that terminological thing. Right, and it should be, and why should it be appealed to the uh, High Court? Because the achievement that McBride's lawyers managed in the Supreme Court of the ACT is that they got Justice Mossop to say, look, this is the law, there are no protections. Well done. <laughs> well done, defence team. Not a great result for your client, apart from the plea deal, which is not a bad thing. But now the trick is to appeal that thing and put it to the High Court. Why? Because when the High Court says that is the state of affairs, there are no protections, then it is palpably obvious to everyone. Well, it's already obvious, but nice to have the highest court say so. That there are no bloody protections for whistleblowers in Australian law. I mean, the guy is working for the government, right? He's a government employee, he's a military lawyer, and he's leaked information, which which for him is really about... um, Using the law as a, as a political weapon, is that's what he's really talking about. But in the in, as part of that, he's exposed all these war crimes, you know, and, and he's, there's no protection for him. And so obviously the state of affairs in Australian whistleblowing protection law is absolutely fucked up. <laughs> this is the end result. And there is a group who have been pointing this out for quite some time, and I've referred to them as references in the articles, or at least in the most recent, and they are the Human Rights Legal Centre. And the guy behind that is called, I think it's Kiernan. Anyway, he's been the guy who's been fighting a good fight. So if you want to support people, that's the guy. And this is the issue. So there goes another aeroplane. I'm not in Afghanistan. I'm in Sydney. Just so you know, that was Qantas. They don't do Afghanistan very much. Anyway. So who do we set uh, Medusa and friends upon? We set them upon every single Prime Minister in Australia for the last five to six years. They have... All of them repeatedly failed, despite promises to the contrary, to implement effective and useful whistleblower protection laws. Producer and Gorgons, go get them. And you guys have a look in the the show notes, as it were. I have looked them up and I can name them all. So there's where the opprobrium is to be directed. However, it never stops at simple places like the head of the Australian government, does it? No, 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 no. The question is, why did the Australian government set the charges? Why did the DPP, this independent, gold-shining, wonderful independent part of government that's not part of any other part of the government at all, why did they do this? And what is happening here is revealed very early on at the magistrates, before the magistrate appearance happens. Not the not the, um, the ACT Supreme Court, no, or years ago. Right at the very beginning, there's trains. As opposed to Afghanistan. Right. What happens is that the Australian Capital Territories Magistrate Court Justice, before the first appearance of McBride in the court, is visited by two members of the Australian Information. Service. So the sort of military intelligence, secret intelligence, call them what they want. We used to call them ASIO back in the day. There's the Australian Secret Information Organisation or some shit like this. And these days it's called the Defence Intelligence Organisation. You guys know it. They just keep changing their names. We know what it is, right? Australia is part of the Five Eyes Network, which is, as you, I expect, know the nations who are natively English-speaking and, uh, you know, all club up. So that's the US and the UK, they're the top tier. And then there's the three others, that's Canada, New New Zealand and Australia. So we're the sort of second tier of the Five Eyes, right? So this is an intelligence-sharing organisation, and what has happened is that members of the Australian branch of this, you know, club of five have gone to the ACT Magistrate Justice and said to him, Oi, now look, there's this information which is associated with this case, and we would very much like you uh, to make sure that that doesn't come up in court. Do you understand what we're saying? Yeah. And, of course, the justice says, uh, why would that be? And they say, well, it's a matter of national security. And they just said, well, OK, well, fair enough, and, and that's outside of my area of purview. I understand what you're saying. Thank you very much for informing me and so forth. And that's what goes on, and that continues right to what happened the other day in Canberra. There is evidence that would support McBride's defence, which is denied by the ACT Supreme Court Justice Mossop. That is where we really would like the Gorgons to go. Pass your gaze above the Australian political leaders, Medusa and friends. Pass your gaze at the Five Eyes Intelligence Network. Because that is what is happening. So... We know that two members of Australia's security services went to the judge and pressured the judge to not allow certain evidence to, be, to appear in court. Now, the question is, why would they do that? Does the uh, intelligence service want to cover the ass of Australia's SAS? Maybe, but I expect not. I th- expect the motivation comes from a little further afield. in you know, the CIA, right? So why would the CIA be covering up for Australia's uh, SAS? That's a good question. So what was happening... What were the uh, SAS doing? That might have somehow tangled itself up with whatever the CIA was doing. Well, we still of know about that. It's called the, the torture program. This is what they were doing. We know this from Craig Murray. Hey, he pops his head up again. Because it was happening just up the road in Uzbekistan. So why would the CIA want to cover that? Because that's what the CIA does. It makes sure that nobody knows what it's doing. That's the whole point. The C in CIA is shot for secret. And thanks to one of the uh, newsletters... Subscribers, Mr. Whistlin, he provided links to some excellent reporting done by the World Socialist website. Who cares about their political views? Doesn't matter. Good reporting. And their reporting was, oh, when the same thing happened, that it appeared that Canadian SAS soldiers were doing war crimes, Afghanistan, that investigation got swept under the rug there too. Now, call me a conspiracy theorist. I think the CIA might have been involved in both of those because that's what was happening. These elite fo- soldiers were somehow involved in God knows how many different sorts of illegal activity in, in Afghanistan. I reckon there's plenty more going on than just assassinating people in custody for information. What was happening with the, 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 drug, the poppy production in Afghanistan? Taliban are in charge. They get rid of the poppy production. Not all of it, a lot of it. CIA comes in, takes over the government... Poppy production goes through the roof. Correlation? Yes. Causation? Who knows? But we know that the CIA were doing this in um, during the Vietnam era. I mean, that was the PhD thesis of uh, Alfred McCoy, who's a distinguished professor of history and so forth in, uh, in the US. So we don't know what they were up to, but I reckon that's got something to do with the torture program myself. See, the Australian government will say to you, we believe in the independence of the judiciary, and because of this, we are not going to have anything to do with telling our DPP who should be prosecuted and who should not be prosecuted, and which laws should be enforced and which shouldn't, because this is an independent. And they are lying to their fucking asses. Because what's happening is that the independence of the judiciary is being directly impacted by the Australian Secret Information Service at the behest of the Club of Five. It's the military intelligence organisations and they're using the good old bugbear of national security to do it. And the Australian political leadership are not calling this out. They're standing up saying we believe in the independence of the judiciary and they're quite happily letting the judiciary be influenced by foreign governments. So Medusa and your friends, you understand the targets. Ah, but we don't know the names. Yes, that's true, you don't. But we know what's going on, don't we? Right. So there is where the, the anger, the opprobrium, is to be directed. It is the influence of the military intelligence networks which are undermining the Australian judiciary at the behest of the government, even while the government says we're trying to protect the independence of the judiciary. Bullshit. bullshit. Bullshit, 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 you lying bastards. But we understand why. Because if they point this shit out, they get kicked out of office not by the Australian population but by the CIA. Hmm. So there is the problem. And if you don't think this hasn't happened before, look up Gough Whitlam. He was taken down <laughs> by the Yanks. Sorry, that's completely unfair. Not by the Yanks. The, we love the American citizens, they're wonderful people, we love them a lot. By the CIA by the secret intelligence organisation that was set up with the National Security Act of 1947. What the hell were they going to do with all those useful spooks that came out of the Second World War and all of a sudden had nothing to do? Well, let's just create an agency for them and put in there a bunch of analysts who are very useful and also a bunch of operatives who are going to go around and undermine governments all over the bloody world, including those of our supposed allies. And so that is the story of David McBride there has been repeated failure by government after government after government to enact effective whistleblower protection laws. This opprobrium and anger can be directed at them. Government after government after government, and therefore the heads of these governments are deserving of your scorn, disrespect, and throw your shoes in their direction. However, there is a deeper issue, and that is that these government leaders are not independent of the alliances which Australia is a part of, and they are primarily to the US and Britain. And so we are subject to the whims of the CIA and MI6 and the other more powerful groups that sit behind them. So, familiar story. How about that? There's a little bit of confusion along the way, but we got to the obvious end point in the end. Hope you've enjoyed this little journey. Catch you next time. Until next time.